This is the Create Love, Create Freedom podcast. My name is Allison Fisher, and on today's episode, we are going to be discussing trauma and how it impacts our relationships. We're going to discuss a little bit about what it is, uh, the four different trauma responses, how childhood trauma might impact our adult relationships, and how to handle past traumas in our current relationships. So what is trauma? It is not what happens to you. Trauma is what happens inside of you as a result of what happens to you. So trauma is an emotional response. It's how we process an event that has deeply impacted us. In the moment, we might, you know, go into our flight, our uh, fight, our freeze, or our fawn responses. The effects of trauma can be long held, and we can see that impact on our body, our mind, and our spirit. Um, if you are interested in going a little bit deeper into trauma, you could check out the body or the book, um, The Body Keeps the Score. Um, it's an excellent book. Uh, I listened to it on Audible and it was very helpful in terms of understanding trauma and understanding how it can continue to show up within our body long after the event has happened. Because again, it's an emotional response. Trauma isn't what happens to you. It's what happens inside of you as a result of what happens to you. And um, I found it very interesting. I could be getting the statistics slightly wrong, um, but the concept remains the same that um, studies were done on uh, victims of the Holocaust after World War II and the kind of trauma that they found in those victims was passed on genetically in the DNA for four generations after. So there were still impacts of the trauma four generations later. And I find that to be very interesting because clearly our trauma affects um, everything around us, right? We can change our environment. We can do our inner work, um, which will help lessen, uh, you know, the, the kinds of trauma that we have, um, in order to create better relationships, better relationships with our partners, um, or our spouses, with our children, with our family members, with our friends, and the kinds of work relationships that we have. So, I think that looking at our trauma, um, our wounds has a great impact on the quality of life and perhaps even the number of years that we live. So let's take a look at the four trauma responses. So the first is fight. You may become defensive and attack in order to protect yourself from being attacked. It could look like a verbal attack, um, you know, or blaming someone for something. Flight is where you might 
get up and leave the situation or emotionally check out and disassociate. So mentally and physically, um, I would even say emotionally, you need to put distance. You need to get out of that situation in some way. Um, you may only be able to choose one of the options, right? You may only be able to physically leave, or you might not be able to physically leave, so you have to mentally check out. You have to mentally flee the conflict, um, the situation. And then there is the freeze response. You might stop responding and disengage with the event or conversation. You might move into numbing behaviors or simply pretend everything is fine. And then there is the fawn response. Um, This is where you might people please in order to de-escalate the situation. You might deny your thoughts, your feelings, and your needs to appease others in order to keep the peace. I actually just posted on Instagram today um, where I looked at conflict in relationships and looking at it through the perspective of the wounded feminine, the immature feminine, and the divine feminine. And what I've really found is that the wounded feminine will very much act in that kind of fawn space avoiding conflict with the masculine because she fears rejection and confrontation. You know, she oversteps her own boundaries in order to keep confrontation at a minimum. Um, She will forego her own, you know, boundaries or beliefs um, or, you know, um, her needs She'll change her environment in order to try to keep herself safe. She'll people please, or she'll try to um, please the masculine, um, really kind of at that time. And she really hides from conflict and gives her power away in an attempt to protect herself. So in relationships, there is certainly healthy conflict. Um. I believe that conflict um, is actually a tool for growth and respect and deeper intimacy within a relationship. Um, But when we operate from a wounded place or from the immature feminine, uh, we often utilize responses that would not necessarily be there if we hadn't experienced trauma at some point in our lives. Now, the other truth is that we're all going to experience trauma at some point. So one of the ways that we can continue moving our lives forward, keeping our own personal power, right, as women being the sovereign queen of our own lives, is really going to be because we heal the trauma that has been in our lives, right? Something that's happened to us. Um, I've said uh, in the past to other folks that what happened to you isn't your fault, but healing yourself is really your responsibility. And 
healing yourself is a long process generally. Um, and it's also sometimes a very lonely process. It doesn't have to be, but it can feel that way internally. Yet at the same time, the ability to come out on the other side transformed and to then have the kinds of relationships with our partner or a future partner or our spouse or our children, our parents that we would like, um, we have a much higher likelihood of that. So let's take a look at how childhood trauma might impact our adult relationships. There could be trust issues. If we didn't have secure trusting relationships as children, or if that trust was betrayed by those who should have been protecting us, we may experience difficulty trusting um, our partners or, um, you know, friends, colleagues, um, family members, people like that. Communication. We may struggle to express our thoughts and feelings and not know how to explain our emotional world. So we, we get really caught in, you know, our minds. Um, we struggle to express what those feelings are, what those emotions are. And to be able to explain them to somebody else in a way where um, they can understand where we're coming from and also have empathy for that. Uh, Stress levels. We may experience increased stress if we experience a lot of stressful events in childhood and we might be triggered more easily. Um. I think a lot of those stressful events in childhood, when we haven't done a lot of our healing, right? Healed the trauma that had happened. Stressful events tend to take on a very different effect as we become adults, because we're going to have more stressful experiences as we become older. Um, but if we, if we learn how to process them, right? Work through them. Often we won't have the same kinds of triggers um, or responses later on. But the other thing to keep in mind is that many of our parents did not know in childhood and do not know, even as adults, um, how to help us work through those kinds of responses through our trauma. Another... um, you know, impact of childhood trauma in our adult relationships might be disassociation. We may disassociate or check out when issues come up in the relationship as that was really the coping mechanism that we were taught in childhood. Either we saw it from a parent or a parent inadvertently uh, taught us how to do that. This is what we do. We check out. It protects us. It keeps us safe. And again, this is part of that somatic or body experience, right? We're checking out of our body. We're checking out of our mind. We're also checking out of our heart to some degree. Um, And we're disassociating from these stressful 
uh, issue or conflict that might be happening in our relationship. Reactivity. We may be more reactive and don't appear to be sensitive to things that other people don't understand. Um, we may struggle with more than just empathy. We may struggle with being sensitive to other people's feelings, other people's thoughts, um, other people's experiences. Um, or we may just simply react to it in a way that um, surprises people or um, kind of shows that you know, we have some unresolved trauma that we, that we need to kind of work through because of our reaction. Safety. We may need more reassurance in relationships and we may really deeply long for a sense of security. Most likely because of the traumatic experience either in childhood and then maybe it has multiplied um, as we become adults. Often we really struggle to, um, you know, process that um, in adulthood. Um, that you know the the childhood experience that we had, and so we often tend to not feel safe. Uh, the other thing too is is that we tend to get into relationships. Um, you know, if we need a lot of reassurance, that generally tends to mean that we are, um, maybe experiencing some insecure attachment style. And often we will attach to other insecure partners who right from the outset aren't able to respond to that either because, they themselves have been through um, trauma and have a lot of unhealed wounds as well. So that's something to really pay attention to. Yet that need for security and safety is one of the things that we look for in our deepest relationships, partly because we don't feel like we can give it to ourselves. Um, another way that childhood trauma might show up in our adult relationships is intimacy. It may be very difficult to truly let people in and experience deep intimacy, deep closeness, um, deep connection with someone. We may self-sabotage or sabotage the relationship. Um, we may have internalized the effects of the trauma. And we may find ourselves in that place where we will try to sabotage the relationship. Sometimes I think we do it consciously. I think other times we do it unconsciously, but we will act in such a way that it it really triggers the other person to such a degree or our behavior is such that, you know, to such a degree that um, they end up walking away. And so then it feels like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, no, I can't trust anybody else. Well, one of the reasons why, you know, maybe we couldn't trust somebody else was due to our own behavior. So we will try to self-sabotage and we will sabotage the relationship. Um, another is libido. I think that 
um, again, trauma, because it also shows up very strongly in our body, um, it might affect our sex drive and interest in sex, as well as our ability to enjoy sex. Um, one of the uh, last podcasts that I did was on attachment style and how that affects the quality and sometimes also the quantity of sex that we have. Uh, for me, I've always been a quality over quantity kind of person. Um, but when we have unhealed trauma, it can also show up in our sex drive and our ability to enjoy sex. And then lastly, equality. It may influence our sense of worth and self-esteem, which may affect the value we place on ourselves versus the value um, we place on our partner in the relationship. So again, this often really shows up in our attachment styles. So if we look at avoidant attachment, people who are avoidantly attached tend to think very highly of themselves. They tend to have a high sense of self-worth and self-esteem, and they tend to think less of other people. What's interesting to me though about um, avoidant attachment is that sense of self, right? They tend to place a high value on themselves, but it's all from a place of insecurity. I have to do so in order to protect myself in this way. So when they say things like, oh yes, I absolutely believe that I'm worthy of love. But they don't believe that they're worthy of love because of who they are. They believe that they are worthy of love because of what they do. And we can see where that shows up as an insecurity and an insecure attachment within the relationship. Um, when we look at anxious attachment, so these are people who generally tend to think less about themselves. They have less self-worth and they tend to think more highly of other people. So it's kind of that reverse, right? Oh, no, I'm not worthy of love, but I'm worthy of giving love to this other person and completely overgiving. Again, still from a place of insecurity. And then when we look at disorganized attachment, um, it is from a place of low self-worth, valuing themselves, um, you know, from a from that lower place, as well as seeing other people from a lower place as well. So they they struggle with both of those aspects. They don't have a high sense of self-worth. And they don't always think as highly of others, so they really struggle with trust. And when you have both of those working against you, um, yes, you're still coming at it from a place of insecurity, but you're you're kind of getting a double dose of that. So let's take a look at how to handle past trauma in our current relationships. I think it's really important to let our current partner know about our history, about our past trauma, 
what happened to us. And this helps them really understand when we don't feel safe enough. Um, when we kind of get triggered. I think it's also really important in those moments when we do get triggered to share with them. Um, and I've done this in a past relationship where I said, you know, my, my partner said, it feels like you're shutting down right now. And I said, yeah, mentally, I definitely am and conversationally. I said, but you know, hold on a minute here. I don't really think that this has anything to do with you. I think this has something to do with something my mother said at one point. Now, looking back, I realized that both my um, previous partner and my mother had avoidant attachment. So they were always trying to emotionally kind of distance themselves, uh, kind of keep me at arm's length in a certain, to a certain degree. And that was very triggering. And so I think it's really important to let people know about your history and your past trauma. Um, for me personally, one of the things that I have to discuss with partners is that um, my mother is someone who has untreated and undiagnosed borderline personality disorder. And that really shaped my sense of self-worth um, and self-esteem as a child. And it also caused, at some points, higher trauma. But I like to think of it too as kind of like, um, so I, I, I'm someone who struggles with a little bit of inflammation, like low grade inflammation. So I'm very careful about what I eat. Um, there are a lot of people who eat very differently than I do, um, which is totally fine. I, I used to be the person who was like, oh, you know, if you're not eating paleo or whole 30, I went through a phase for a couple months where I was like, this is the best thing ever. And then I was like, but everybody's body is not the same as mine. <laughs> I, my genetics are a little different. And so I've learned how to manage that. I mostly eat um, meat and vegetables. Um, I cannot do any dairy, any soy, any canola, um, any sugar, any processed food. Um, and I do no grains of any kind. Um, I can do sweet potatoes, but I cannot do Irish potatoes. So my whole point is that if I eat things that are, um, for me, you know, that will affect me, I get this kind of low grade inflammation. Um, and then let's say I go out and run a Spartan race or do a CrossFit competition. Um, this generally means that that is that weekend or that activity was like higher inflammation, right? So what I think can often happen is that, you know, with our trauma, we may have had high grade trauma, kind of like that high grade inflammation, right? It was an event. It was something that um, happened that was very profound in our life. But then I think that there's also a lot of low grade trauma. And this is what I noticed throughout my own childhood, the codependency within my parents' relationship, the way that my mother interacted with us a lot, kind of like you were walking on eggshells around her, never knowing when she was either going to explode in anger, rage, or she was going to burst out in tears and become incredibly defensive and almost childlike in some ways. And when you have to kind of walk on eggshells, and at the same time, I also 
kind of talk about is you're walking a tightrope. Like you never want to bother her. You never wanted to, if things were good, man, you want to keep walking that tightrope. You don't want to bounce too high and you certainly don't want to fall. Um, And I believe that trauma can definitely happen in both of these spheres too. So it's important to realize that our trauma might not have been major catastrophic things that happened to us. It could be, there could be some of those, but it could also be some really like low grade inflammation, like constant low trauma. I think of it as kind of like a little hum in the background. And for me personally, that was a huge part of my childhood. And it wasn't until I recognized that, hang on, there's something going on here with my mother. I need to take a look at that. And so I did some research and whatnot, and it was able to help me understand my trauma. And it was able to help me get back to the relationship and say, hey, I do see this as being some sort of um, thing that's happened in my past. and you know, I'm going to try to name that in conflict or, you know, points where I'm triggered or where I feel like shutting down a little bit or where maybe I become a little bit angry, you know, a fight or a flee response. Um, And I've certainly also had a fawn response. I used to be someone who, because of my mother's trauma and because of her borderline personality disorder, I was always catering to her. Um, I was always kind of trying to parent her in a way and trying to please her so that she stayed pretty even keel. So these are all responses that caused a lot of trauma. So being able to share that with a, with a partner, that history, that past helps them understand you better, helps them come to the relationship with a greater sense of compassion and uh, empathy, but they also might be able to manage the conflict a little bit differently in the moment if they know something different and you know those things about them. I would strongly recommend telling each other what your triggers are, how those triggers make you feel, especially in the moment. Take a pause on whatever the conversation or the conflict is in the moment. Wait, hold on a minute. I'm feeling a bit triggered right now. Let me work through this. Let me break this down. That's really how we move forward with our trauma in our current relationships. Um, I don't necessarily think it's wonderful in the relationship to simply ask your partner to try to avoid triggering you. The truth is you're going to be triggered. And the other thing is, if you take a moment, take a, take a breath, again, get centered back in the body, and you switch your mind and your heart over to, your heart over to being open. Okay, hold on a minute. I'm not going to shut down. I'm going to be open. I'm not going to try to try to run. I'm not going to try to fight. Instead, I'm just going to be here for a moment. We're going to take a pause. And then I'm going to get curious about this. Oh, wait a minute. 
I will often say to a partner, ooh, hold on a minute. This is a perfect opportunity for me to work on this. Do you mind, do you mind me working through this and you working with me on this trigger for a moment? Um, one of the things that I've learned about trauma is, so if you think about a jar and you think about like a red bouncy ball in the jar and the red bouncy ball is the trauma and the jar is your body, your mind and your heart. And the bouncy ball takes up most of the jar. Most people think that handling trauma means that the bouncy ball, the red ball gets smaller. But the truth is, is that we learn how to make the jar bigger. The trauma stays the same. The trauma stays with us. But we can grow our capacity as people, as humans, and especially through our relationships and when we're triggered. So that that was a really, that was a moment of kind of revelation for me when I was like, oh, the goal isn't to avoid my trigger. The goal is to tell the partner, whoa, hold on. Let's pause for a second. I've just been, been triggered. Let me work through this. Will you kind of be here with me? The other thing that I have really found is when you're triggered, sometimes it's verbally asking the person to take a deep breath as well, um, to kind of calm and center themselves. Um, and if it's over the phone, stay with you. But if it's in person, ask them to touch you, whether that's putting their hand over yours, whether that's stroking your hair or your back or putting a hand on your shoulder or holding you. That can actually be a moment of deep connection um, and a healing moment rather than a moment to run or shut down or try to please them so that you can get out of the conflict or to fight with them. Um, I think it's, again, important to tell your partner how they can help you when you become triggered. If you don't know, I would definitely start with just having them stay close um, so that you can work through whatever that feeling is. Okay, can you can you just stand quietly and close to me for a minute? I really want to run. Okay, can you stand quietly and close for a moment? And maybe just um, we can be quiet because I really want to fight. Or I really want to just say something that's going to, that's going to appease you and try to please you so that I can get out of this conflict as soon as possible, but I'm going to give away my power in that moment. I think one of the other interesting things is that if you're in the right relationship, someone's going to want to work with this, work with you on this. They're going to be okay with that. Even if we are securely attached, we all have trauma. We all have things that come up. Um, you know, again, as we discussed, tell them what helps you regulate your emotions. Do you need a moment alone? Okay, hold on. This has really gotten heightened. I'm going to go for a little walk. Um, do I need to talk about it? Uh, do I need a hug? 
or to be held? Do I need, you know, how, how can the partner help you kind of go from that heightened state? I like to think about it as a pyramid and a healthy nervous system response. You know, when we're not triggered, it's kind of at the bottom of the pyramid, kind of in a green state. Then the middle is, oop, something has come up for us and we're feeling that fight, flight, uh, you know, uh, fawn response, and we are, we're in kind of that yellow state. And then more of the disassociation tends to be in that red state, right? And so instead of letting it escalate, we're going to bring it down and at least saying to the partner, okay, hold on a minute here. I'm going to try to regulate my nervous system by regulating my breathing, by taking a quiet moment, by having you wrap your arms around me, um, by talking about it, whatever, whatever really works for you. The other thing is be really curious, maybe try some different things um, so that you have more in your arsenal. I like to think about it as bows in your quiver bows to choose from, tools to choose from in order to to do that. And then this is something that your partner is also going to see. They're going to learn from you. And then the other thing is, these are things you can teach your children to help them because they're going to have trauma in their life too. And then I think the other thing is, uh, and the last thing is really making a plan with your partner. Um, for when you're calm and you're connected so that you both know what to do if you're triggered so that you can support each other. Um, these sorts of triggers happen. And again, realizing that it's a moment for growth and to be curious about it. And when it happens to your partner, instead of being angry with them or whatnot. I mean, you might be angry for a moment, but being like, oh, wait a minute, that's right. I'm going to change. I'm going to reauthor this. I'm going to re-narrate this. And I'm going to be curious for them. And I'm going to be open and loving. They may try to take a, not not necessarily a physical swing, but an emotional or verbal swing at me. But I'm still going to stay open and, and let them really work through this moment as well. And I'm going to be here for them uh, through that. And I think that this is one of the ways, or these are some of the ways that we really grow the jar around us. The trauma, the ball is still going to be there, but the ball is going to be very small at the bottom of a very large jar, a jar that takes up a whole dining room table. Yes, that's what I'm looking for. So I hope that this was helpful for you today. Um, if you are interested in doing some healing work, um, you've certainly heard me talk um, in the past on the podcast about our members club. It is a self-guided um, self-healing journey. It is a community of women uh, where we are engaged in a new masterclass topic, um, self-healing topic each month. And uh, when you sign up, you will have access to all the previous months, um, but you will also have access to the current month and the videos on that topic. Uh, so for this month, we are going through boundaries, how to set boundaries, what do good boundaries 
uh, look like, what happens when they're too flexible or when they're too rigid, how to communicate our boundaries to other people when they have been crossed. So we have a bunch of videos uh, or multiple videos on that. And then we also have a workbook for you um, so that you have something to uh, return to and really work through um, a lot of your own, again, trauma and wounds and how to continue to move forward. So if you are interested in our members club, please go to createlovefreedom.podia.com and go to members club on our website. Um, and you can also go to Instagram at create love freedom and click on the link in our bio and you will find our members club sign up there as well. And just a little heads up, uh, this month I am releasing a new course and the course is, um, the father daughter wound and it is on healing the father daughter relationship. Um, I will be releasing a mother wound course, um, in a previous month, uh, or excuse me, in a future month. Um, but for right now, we are going to look at the father wound. Uh, it is both a wound with our biological fathers as well as a cultural wound. So that wounding can also come from the type of kind of masculine dominated society that we live in. And so another way to do a lot of self-healing work. So if you jump on to our mailing list or sign up for our Ignite Your Feminine free challenge, uh, you will be on that mailing list and you uh, will be one of the first to know uh, when I do release that course this month. Until next time.